The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Philippians chapter 1. My name's Pastor Ben. If I didn't get a chance to meet you, I just want to say welcome to each of you that are here. And a special welcome. I know there's many people joining us online. So for all of you that are looking at us through the camera there, I just want to say hello to you. We're certainly glad that you can join us in that way. Before I get to today's sermon, uh, there is something that is on my heart. It's on my heart to share. And uh, what made you wake up this morning and know that you're not a Pharisee? What made you wake up this morning and know that you're not just looking the part of, of a believer but don't actually believe in God? How do you know that you won't be among the majority of people that when this earth is rolled up like a scroll and Jesus comes back and the majority that will say to Him, Lord, Lord, did we not do many mighty deeds in Your name, miracles and cast out demons, and didn't we do all these things in Your name? How do you know that you won't be in that majority? There's a lot of ways I guess I could communicate what I feel like the Lord has put on my heart to say this morning, but I guess in the most rawest sense... Uh, I have numerous relationships with people in this church and talk to countless phone conversations and text messages throughout the week. And I mean, I know the people in this church. And, and it's my fear that some are worldly. That some trust in the ways and systems of man and not necessarily according to God's revealed character and His Word. I fear that many are here because they do enjoy many of the aspects of a Christian life, the singing, even the service to others, the sense of belonging to a group of people. I fear that there are many here who probably don't open God's Word Monday through Saturday. And my greatest fear that is a, something very deep to me, I guess, is I just I greatly fear that there may be some who don't actually know God. And if you're saying to yourself, I mean, if you hear me say those things and you're thinking to yourself, well, he, he's certainly not talking about me. I'm the board of, on the board of trustees of this church. I'm a Sunday school teacher in this church. I've been in church my life, etc., etc. Listen, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So what am I saying to you, dear friends, this morning? I'm saying take heed. I personally am scared to death that I might become a fake, phony, full of falsehood, trusting in the ways of man, Pharisee. I'm, I, I'm scared that that would happen to me, and I fear that there are likely some among us today that are, are dangerously close to that. So before we even begin, let's just uh, let's go to the Lord and ask Him to do what only He can do.
Father, your word humbles us. Father, this we need you, Lord. If we are if we are going through life in a brazen, crooked, deceived way, Lord. Shine a light on dark places, I pray, Lord. God, should there be a dark place in my heart where I don't see things clearly? Father, I pray that You would shine a light on it. Let me not be a truster of man's ways. Let us be lovers of truth, Lord. So God, we we come to the place where we simply throw up our hands and say, Lord, change us. Draw our hearts differently, Lord. Our hearts left to themselves, Father, are so broken. So Father, humble us, I, I do ask, Lord. Never let us forget that You are our Savior. And without You, we are indeed lost. We love You, Jesus. It's in His name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Church, if you are thankful that we serve a God who is faithful and just to forgive us all our our unrighteousness, say Amen. That is good news. So last week, we began a series titled Joy through the book of Philippians. And we saw how Paul, who God used to write this book, is in prison. He's chained to a wall in a dungeon. Not a very bright circumstance he finds himself in. And as he's writing this Philippian church, which as best we can tell, they, they were lovers of God's Word. They had a love for knowledge and discernment. They, they belonged to Jesus. And Paul says, even though my circumstance is as such as it is, there are these large, glaring, beautiful realities about you and about me. We've got this fellowship in the Gospel. We belong to Jesus together. We've got right understanding. We have a, a love for knowledge and discernment through God's Word, and it's authentic. The things that we have are from the Lord. It's fruits by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's authentic. And I'm thankful for these things. I mean, these are the pegs upon which I want to hang my hat at the end of the day. That I belong to Jesus. That God has given me a love for knowledge and discernment and authenticity about what God has given me and what God is doing in my life and my family and in this church. And and I don't know about you, I just keep thinking about this week and whatever happens on Tuesday. I, I I want to sleep the same way on tonight as I do Monday, as I do Tuesday, as I do Wednesday. I just I want to trust God in this way. So if you're ready for more preaching about joy, however, say amen. Uh, so I guess it's been up to close to two decades now that um, I've been around horses, being around or have owned multiple horses. And I've learned many things about raising equine and all that comes with it but there's certainly much more that I still have to learn Uh, but I've always known that it's never a good thing when you walk out to go throw them hay or or put them out to pasture whatever it is that you need to take care of them and you see one of them limping that's never never a, a good thing to see now sometimes when a horse is limping it's from something very minor they've stepped on a large rock and they've they just bruise the bottom of their foot. Perhaps they've got a torn or a slightly torn or a pulled muscle. Something that will take care of itself in time and it's no problem. But generally, when it's no big deal, you'll see them limping a little bit. And then as the days progress, you'll see them limping less and less and less until eventually they're a completely sound horse again. Uh, it's never a good thing. It's particularly bad 
when you see a horse limping and then as the days progress, they get worse and worse and worse. It's always, almost always a sign of something seriously wrong, whether it's a torn ligament that needs surgery or something that is seriously wrong with this animal. There is one circumstance, however, that when a horse is limping and they continue to get worse, that it's actually a very, very good sign. Uh, horses out in a pasture or wherever it is that they're kept, if they step on a small pebble, and that very small pebble will embed itself into the sole of the foot of this animal. And a horse, say an average of 800 to 1,000 pounds, as they're walking and moving around, it keeps compressing this small pebble deeper and deeper and deeper up into the sole of the foot of this animal. And eventually what happens is, you know, initially it's no big deal, the horse doesn't even feel it, but as it drives further and further up into the hoof of the animal, it becomes an abscess, and it becomes to become this very inflamed and painful situation and a lot of you are thinking pastor Ben, what in the world are you getting ready to preach to us today but just hang with me uh, a horse's body actually has the ability such that when a small pebble is embedded into the hoof it will take that rock and it will liquefy it it will dissolve it until it's this black infected liquid that will eventually continue its way up the hoof and it will actually be expelled out at the line where there's the hoof and there's the hairline where the hairline begins on the animal's leg it will actually expel out of that and this tight pocket of pressure that caused so much pain in this animal will instantly be they'll find complete relief i've even seen horses that i'm standing right next to and you'll see it rupture and then all of a sudden the horse goes like I mean, they just, you can see the complete relief and they'll go from limping to then completely fine. No more pressure, no more pain in this foot. Now, when it has been ascertained, you see a horse and they're limping and they, they limp worse on Monday than Tuesday and it's just getting worse and worse. It, it, there's, once you have ascertained that it's a, it's, a, it's a foot abscess, it's an abscess in the foot of this animal, you pat Betsy on the neck, you put her in a stall with plenty of clean, fresh bedding, you make sure they've got plenty of hay and plenty of clean water, and you basically just forget about them for a couple days because you know that in a couple days they're going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And it's, it's quite a joyful thing when you ascertain that that's the issue, and you know it's not a serious thing. Yes, they're in some pain now, but, but their foot will take care of the problem. It'll do something such that this pebble that's causing so much pain will go away, and it's going to be all right. There's a resting in this joy of knowing that the animal is going to be all right once it's gone through the process. I'd like to preach to you today about resting in joy. We should be in Philippians 1 already. I invite you to look to verse 12. We're reminded that Paul is in prison while he is being used of God to write these words. Verse 12, it says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, I know many of you very well, but even for those of you that I don't know very well, I know that none of us have ever woke up, stretched, we wake up, we stretch our arms. None of us have ever said before, I, you know, I would just love to wake up next week completely spiritually destitute. Nobody's ever said that. Nobody's ever said, I, you know, I just, wouldn't it be a joy to have no money next week? Wouldn't it just be wonderful to have a spouse leave me? 
Oh, I'd love for this loved one to just pass away. Wouldn't it just be gleeful if I were to wake up next month with a terminal illness? I mean, no one has ever, ever, ever said that. And similarly, I've not met Paul personally, but we know much of his life from God's Word. And I wasn't there on the road as he's on the road towards the city Damascus and the Lord Jesus Christ radically gets a hold of Paul's life. I wasn't there, but what I guarantee you when God got a hold of Paul's heart and Paul's now serving Jesus, I guarantee you that Paul never said, I would love to be writing God's Word from prison. He, he didn't say that. that. That was not anything of what he said or what he thought. But there were some things that became known. There were these general things that caused him joy, yes, even while he was in prison. And we went over some of them last week, of belonging to Jesus and having this fellowship in the gospel with this church at Philippi. Having a right understanding, a love for knowledge and discernment. And for this journey to be authentic. Paul was generally joyful about those things, but there were some specific joyful results that came about from Paul having actually been in prison. Him being chained to a wall specifically brought about some things that he was very happy about. And we just read what they are. One being that the palace guard had the word preached to them. They formerly did not know the gospel, but now they do. And all the others, it makes it sound like all the people in this palace area where there's, there's this one piece of dungeon where Paul was, that, that all of them had the gospel preached to him because Paul, like any Christian, can't, you can't be around them for too long before they start talking about what the Lord has done in their life. And Paul's doing this, he's preaching to them. Now, I believe this joy that Paul has, this clearly revealed in Scripture, was easier for him after he got past the actually. After he got the, past the point of, well, actually, these chains have done some great things. It's got the word out to these, these prison guards. It's, it's made the other faithful believers, it's emboldened them to preach the word properly. These chains have done some great things, Paul says. And I think that once he got past that point of realization, it became easier. But I imagine when Paul was first in prison, before he got to the actually, that there were some difficult moments for him probably. He's supposed to be a missionary going about planting churches, and here he is chained to a wall in prison. Before he got to that actually part, I'm sure that that was difficult for him. Now this is very relatable to you and I today. Because I think we could see that once you get past a financial crisis and you see how God used it to make you a more diligent worker, you see how God used it to, to teach you some things about being an employee, and, and you look back and think, yeah, that was terrible, but, but now I see what that situation has caused. Look at what God has done in my life. I think illness fulfills that same thing. Of No one wants to be sick. No one wants to go through those kinds of things. But, but after it happens, you look back and think, boy, you know, it made me trust my Savior even more. It made me wake up with this daily thanksgiving of health that I've got in my body. So, so you know, I'm glad I'm past this. You know, actually, this disease has caused some great things to come about. The same could be said for spiritual lostness. I think probably most of us would have that testimony of knowing of a time when we were lost. Look at the way that God broke me. Look at the way that God just brought me to nothing. Look at the way that I, I worshipped myself and I had all these worldly, secular ideas. Look, look at how it brought me to nothing and then, and then God brought me to Jesus and, and now I'm totally down. I'm thankful for that spiritual lostness because look at what it's done in my life. So the question on the table this morning would be, what do you do before you get to the actually? Before you get to the actually, this is what these chains, this sickness, this disease, this lack of finances, this spiritual... Before you get to that point, what do you do? How do you traverse that? 
When you have a horse that has a foot abscess and they continue to get more and more lame as the time progresses, and not lame in the sense that we are a lot of times hearing a lame horse, one that is not sound, one that is limping, they continue to get more lame, more unsound, and what you can do is you can pick up their foot and you can take a special tool called a hoof knife and you can start scraping away just a very fine layer of the bottom of the sole of, that, of the hoof of that animal. And as you're scraping it away, it will begin to tell you a story. Because as you're scraping it away, you scrape away the dirt and the mud. And if you see a small, dark, almost looks like a bruise with a very slight indentation, very slight, it tells you the story. It says that that point is where the pebble went through and where it embedded into the sole of the foot of this animal. And it tells you the story. And once you've read the story and you see it, you understand, okay, this horse is going to be fine. Pat Betsy on the neck, throw her in a nice, comfortable place in the barn. She's going to be all right. So what am I saying to you this morning, church? I'm saying that when you pick up the Word of God and you start peeling back its pages, you start reading the story that tells you that it's going to be all right. You start reading the story, verses that we know very well, Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and those who are called according to His purposes. You read that story, and it gives you some knowledge about what's transpiring in your situation. You read verses like Psalm 121, verses 1-4. to says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. You start seeing the whole story. You see this whole story of 2 Corinthians 5-7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. When you pick up that horse's foot and you see that small dark indentation, you see the story of what's happened, you know that the thing that you can't see, the pebble inside the horse's foot that's being liquefied, you can't see it. You just know you've read the story, understand what's happening, and you put your trust in what's the process that's taking place. And then you have this joyful rest about you. You can consider all your hardships, church. You line up your life's hardships. And you can say... To the devil, like Joseph said, who Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers, going into the dungeon for years for a crime he didn't commit, going through all the things that Joseph went through, you can say, but as for you, you meant it for evil for me. But God intends this for good, which is Genesis 50-20. God will use these things. So what is the word of the Lord to the church at Philippi? What is the word of the Lord to the New Covenant Community Church here in Johnstown? Point one, it's that rest in the joy of God's process. Rest in the joy of God's process. It's okay if there's a stone in the foot. It's doing something inside there that you can't see, but you've seen the story, and you rest in the fact that this process will result in something good. It's going to be all right. Rest and the joy of God's process. It's okay to be chained to a wall as you're being used of God mightily in that way. It's doing something, Paul. If we could go back and tell him, if we knew this whole story, we'd go back and in his darkest moment, we'd say, Paul, these chains that you've got, those blisters and those raw spots on your skin, it's doing something. It's emboldening these other preachers. It's preaching the Gospel to all these palace guards. It's doing something. Rest in the joy of God's process. So what I'm saying to you this morning, church, is when you deal with wayward children and health issues, 
and broken relationships and unruly children and and you're not past the actually of seeing what God has been doing. You're not past that point yet. Rest in the joy of God's process. It's doing something. Open up His Word. See that He has not abandoned you. And God is working something. And He's working something that will have a wonderful result. Listen to me, church. Hebrews 6.18 It teaches us that God cannot lie. If you believe your Savior, say amen. He cannot lie. Look now, if you would, please, to verse 15. And this describes to us what this process is like. And it says, verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So what is Paul saying here? He's talking about this first group that preaches Christ from a selfish ambition and not sincerely. It doesn't tell us explicitly who this is, but we can probably make the interpretation that he's probably referencing Pharisees, which Paul was before he was a Christian. And he's saying, as best we can tell, if we were to fill in, if we were to imagine what's going on here, he's probably communicating that these Pharisees are preaching in such a way that, yeah, that Paul, he's in prison because he's preaching this radical Christ that you don't have to obey the Old Testament law and you just need Jesus. He's, he's, he, Paul is getting what is due him. He's, they're probably preaching that kind of message. And then Paul references this latter group of people. This latter group that's preaching out of love and knowing that Paul was appointed to the defense of the gospel. And we don't know explicitly who these people are, but if we had to guess, if we had to make an interpretation on what we have, we'd probably say he's probably thinking of Titus. He's probably thinking of Timothy and Lydia and faithful followers of Jesus who are saying, yep, Paul's in prison and look at what he's doing. Look, look what's happening. We didn't see what was happening initially, but now we're after the actually. Look actually what Paul's chains are doing. It's preaching the Gospel. It's emboldening us to go up on the pulpit and to preach the Word of God. It's, it's doing something. So what's the message here for us today, this very moment? I believe in its most basic sense is that there's going to be positives and negatives to every process. I think Paul was probably thinking to himself, here I am chained to a wall, being used of God. I've got this one group that is, is these, these terrible Pharisees. They're preaching to add affliction. They're trying to get me in more trouble than I'm already in. And they don't even realize that what I'm doing is for Christ. And, 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 and they're these naysayers. And here I've got this other group of faithful believers and they're preaching out of goodwill and this honesty towards Christ. But Paul says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what either of those groups are doing. The only thing that matters is, quote, that Christ is preached, and in this I will rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Now this is extraordinarily practical life wisdom for you and me today. And here's why. It's because if you are a parent who disciplines your children properly, you can expect to have two things ridicule and praise from those around you 
And it matters not what ridicule and praise comes your way. What matters is that you are preaching Christ to your children and raising them up in godliness. And yes, rejoice and trust in that that is the end goal of knowing that this message of Christ is getting to your children. If you, by chance, choose not to drink, and you see it as best for your witness of Christ to not drink alcohol, you can expect two things. Ridicule and praise. And it matters not what of those things that you get. What matters is that Christ is preached. And rejoice in that and in that alone. If you manage money wisely, and you save money, and you give lots of it away, which are two biblically influential principles that are absolutely spoken through God's Word, if you do those things, expect ridicule and praise. It matters not. What matters is that that little book that comes when the bank sends you all your checkbooks and there's the little book that you write them all down that you can at the end of the year look down and say, yes, my life reflected the glory of Christ and what I love, where my treasure is, there my heart is also. My checkbook shows that I love my Savior. That's what matters. When the preacher opens God's Word and preaches what's literally there, he can expect two things, ridicule and praise. Those matter not. What matters is that Christ is preached. And in this, I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So point number two this morning, rest in the joy of God's message. Rest in the joy of the message. There's going to be ups and downs in this process. It's okay for there to be some, some pains as there's a stone being turned into an abscess that will later be expelled from your hoof. That's okay. Rest in the joy of God's message. We know that this life will render us troubles. We, we know that. Especially if you're someone who is a lover of truth. Jesus said in Luke 6.26, He says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Let me just stop right there for a moment. How many of you have heard the new term, this new word that's being used? We're in a culture where we make up new words all the time. How many of you heard the word woke? Raise your hand. And all the mostly young people are raising their hand. That's all right. I'll explain what the word woke means as best I understand it. It means that you go about life doing the best you can not to offend anyone. If, if there were a Ben Sweeterman translation Bible, it would say, woe to those who are woke. I mean, I, I'm not near as beautiful language as, as we have in our Bibles. You never want me to ever write a translation of the Bible. Just shoot me. I mean, this is going to be terrible. Think of the illustrations that you find in that Bible. You, it, you don't want that Bible. Trust me. Woe to those when all men speak well of you, Jesus says, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. If you're a Christian, you're going to have some people that don't like you and don't like your message and don't like your life. Expect that. If you go through life and everyone's happy with you, Woe to that person, I would say. Jesus says in John 16, it says, In the world you will have tribulation. You will. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? That's a good news. Say amen. He has overcome the world, church. We can trust our Savior. So, you say, Pastor Ben, this is so weird that we're using illustrations of all these things, but um, hang with me for just a little bit longer. When you had a horse that had an abscess, and to, if that happens today, like let's say I go home today and I go out in the field and I ascertain that one of mine or Abby's horses has an abscess in their foot, what most people will do is they'll drive themselves to TSC or to Rural King and they'll buy this bottle of a very expensive solution that you can soak your horse's foot in and the properties inside this solution help to draw what's inside the animal's hoof out. 
So rather than it just taking its normal process of a few days, it'll speed up the process of this abscess coming out of this animal's foot. What was done in the olden days, and what I may or may not have done growing up, is if you have a cow, you go out into your own pasture, but if you don't have a cow, you go into your neighbor's pasture who has one, and you have a burlap sack in your hand, and you go take some cow manure, and you put it in the burlap sack that you have and it's always funny when you go into the farmer's field and they see you sneaking through their fence and you take three piles of cow manure and then you leave they never understand what you're doing They'll, the strangest looks that you'll get when you do that kind of thing but what you do is then you take this sack of cow manure and you pick up the animal's foot and you put your horse's foot in this sack and tie it up tightly around their leg because believe it or not, the properties inside of cow manure will do the same thing that these fancy solutions will do. It will draw what's inside of this foot out. What's the point to all this church? And you're saying, what in the world is the point to all of this? It's okay for there to be ups and downs. It's okay for there to be some things that stink a little bit. God is taking you through a process that is valuable, wonderful. And when you get to the point where Paul did, he says, oh, actually, now I understand why I'm chained to this wall. That's a good day. Amen? That's a good day when you can see those things. But until then, before the actually, we live by faith and not by sight. So how in the world I come up with these illustrations, I don't know. But what I do know is that there is joy in God's process. And in every process, there's ups and downs, especially before you get to the actually, the understanding moment. And we can rest in the joy of God's message. Amen? Look in your Bibles, if you would please, to verse 19. It says, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what shall I choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Paul says there are these two options, for me to die hanging to this wall or for me to be freed and to be able to go and help you more, to grow in these wonderful realities that are already true in you, church at Philippi. It's, it, those are the two options, and Paul's saying it's a win-win either way. In fact, my selfish side of me, Paul says, I'd like to just be with Jesus. I'd like to leave you all in the dust and to just go be with Jesus, but because it's more needful for you, you need the wisdom that I have, the, the, me to be able to come and preach in your church. Paul says, because of that need, I know that God is going to let me get off of this wall that I'm chained to, to come and to help you for your joy and progress in the faith so point number three and the last one today is rest in the joy of God's provision rest in the joy of God's provision and I believe that this is an extraordinarily timely message for me especially but I know for many of you as well it's because this year maybe more than any other 
I particularly and many of us have been guilty of the sin of of worry and panic maybe more than any other year that we've ever gone through in our Christian walk. Worries about this coronavirus and if it's going to kill us all. Worries about this election and what's going to transpire. Worries about are we going to have our religious freedoms in the future? Are we, are we going to have to, I mean, what's coming down the pike depending on what happens in this election? Look at the economy and the way that it's just been a roller coaster. All of our 401ks look more like 201ks. And I'm not sure if this job security is going to be in the land as we have it today. And, and all, I mean, it's almost like we're addicted to fear. It's like, we're, it's like we've got this, it's like this fear porn. I mean, it's like we just are addicted to it in this kind of way and and it's made us these crippled people that are too afraid to do anything too afraid to even trust the lord i mean i'm convinced that if god were to if we were to be in some kind of exodus like it was for israel and all of us in the year 2020 because of this crippling fear that we just will sometimes feast on that if we were to somehow be led in some kind of exodus like it was with moses and the israelites and the waters parted i mean some of us would want to swim we're like i don't want to walk through the dry ground we'd want to get out and swim around the whole like no this is Some of us spend more time on Facebook than in God's Word, and it shows. It really shows. Some of us spend more time listening to the news than in God's Word, and that really shows. And I'm not here to beat anyone up, but what I'm, what I'm reminding my own heart, when I'm preaching to myself this morning, is that there is rest in God's provision. Amen? There's peace in God's provision, hope in God's provision, there's joy in God's provision. Either way, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And the, and the reason that we that we feast upon this fear is because I believe, I don't really believe in those fearful moments. I don't really believe, and I'm not convinced that you really believe that to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm not convinced that we actually believe that like Paul did. I'm not sure that we're convinced of that, and I want to be convinced of that. We ought to sleep the same tonight as we do Monday, as we do Tuesday, as we do Wednesday. So let us go each day, church picking up the horse's foot and reading the story of our provision. Amen? Reading the story of God's faithfulness. Reading the story that it's, it's going to be alright. Uh, Jesus says something that's almost humorous. In, in John 20, He had already been crucified for our sins. He had raised from the dead. He had actually appeared to a number of the disciples. But Thomas, one of the disciples, his name is Thomas, he hadn't yet seen Jesus. And the other disciples are saying, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. And he's saying, unless I can touch the nail prints and the spear inside, I mean, unless I can can see and feel his body and know that it's him, I'm not going to believe that it's him. And, And wouldn't you know it, Jesus appears and he says, Thomas, reach out your hand and touch the nail prints in my hands. Reach out and touch my side where where they pierce me with a spear. And then you almost expect Jesus to say some kind of like really priestly, godly type thing. The next thing he says is almost funny. He says, he looks at Thomas and he says, stop doubting and believe. <laughs> it's, it's as cut and dry as he puts it. Stop doubting and believe. So I think that just perhaps this morning, some of us need to hear because I know I need to hear it in my ears. Stop doubting and believe. Has he ever shown himself not to be faithful? He's always been faithful and I'm going to trust in him if you are too say amen we can come to the music at this point rest in the joy of god's process rest in the joy of god's message rest in the joy of god's provision would you stand with me
I want to trust Him. I want to trust Him until the point that it changes my life. I hope you do too. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you really don't trust Him, it's always invited for you to come and to give your life to the Lord. I'd love to pray with you. Would you pray with me? Father, our hearts can be so bombarded, yet you are panicked by nothing. So how is it, Lord, that we can take your hand and still worry? Forgive us, Lord. Make us faithful, Father, I pray. Father, I pray that when you panic is when I panic, which is never, Lord. Let there be a steadfast march in our lives trusting and knowing that you are faithful in jesus name we all say together let's worship together